0: Hey, welcome! It is uh, seven minutes after ten o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Uh, coming up uh, about a half an hour from now at ten thirty-five, Mark Tapscott is going to be with us with the Epic Times. And apparently, uh, the House Rules Committee uh, met to talk about uh, Hunter Biden and uh, contempt of Congress. Things didn't work out quite the way uh, I thought that they would, but we're going to find out exactly what what happened. And why it happened, I will try to get uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft on uh, a little later in, in the program. I'll see if he's going to be free, uh, because I want him to explain uh, the Missouri caucus system since it's it's new to us. And um, we'll uh, we'll do that in just a few minutes. First, though, Professor Murray Sabrin is with us, Professor Emeritus, Ramapo College. A recession-slash-depression is inevitable after the Federal Reserve lowers interest rates to stimulate the economy, creating an unsustainable boom. That's been the uh, the platform uh, for the boom-buff cycle since the Fed was created. Uh, Professor Sabrin says that a... Uh, it, 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 well, he actually links to a story from the Mises Institute. Uh, indicating we maybe already be there, Professor. Welcome. Great to be with you, Gary. Uh, so, the New York Fed says that manufacturing activity is plummeting.
1: Yeah, the, uh, Ryan's uh, Ryan McMacken's article at on, nbcies on dot org is just a wonderful article showing that the relationships between. Um, economic activity and recessions, and namely that when the Fed starts raising interest rates, companies that rely on a lot of credit to, to stay afloat, uh, they have a hard time uh, maintaining their profit margins, and then they have to cut back on employment, and that's what we're seeing now. Layoffs are starting to increase across the board, and it's just a matter of time before the uh, slow layoffs that we're seeing accelerate, and I expect that to happen uh, probably throughout 2024, which is not a good sign for Biden if he's the Democratic presidential nominee or whoever takes his place, because we know when recessions take place in presidential election years uh, that the incumbent party is defeated. That happened in 2008 with the Great Recession, and Obama won easily. It happened in uh, 1960 when we had a recession, and uh, uh, Nixon beat—I'm sorry, Kennedy beat Nixon. And so uh, this this is a a political-economic problem, phenomenon that we see uh, in American history, and uh, of course, we, what we saw in 1932, which is a great uh, depression uh, that had started under Hoover, and, and uh, FDR won uh, in, a, in a massive landslide.
0: I'm looking at a, uh, a compilation of data um, under the, uh, the Biden administration. Uh, gas prices are up 35% uh, in just 35 months. Uh, went from two forty two an average uh, per gallon to three twenty six. Real wages have gone down under Biden, um, it, it, and uh, the the inflation is not gone. Uh,
1: no. It's
0: not even down to two percent, is it? It's still way it's it's still above two percent on the key uh, food and things like that.
1: And not only that, uh, automobile insurance uh, costs are going through the roof. They're uh, double digit rates for the past couple of years. Uh, not so much because of what the Fed did, because of all the natural disasters we've had in Florida and other parts of the country. So that's been raising rates across the board. So I wouldn't consider that uh, 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 caused by the Federal Reserve, per se, but when prices in general go up, that's because there's so much more money being created that it has to find a home someplace. It finds a home in stocks, bonds, real estate. Uh, uh, I I watched the Mecham Auto Auctions on Motor Trend uh, Cable Station. And the prices of uh, cars at these auctions are unbelievable. A so, uh, Ferrari sold for 16 million dollars this past weekend in Florida. I mean it just shows you the uh, amount of money that's out there when people are paying two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, a million dollars for, for uh, vintage cars. It just shows you people are flush with cash. not everyone, of course, it's the upper 10 uh, percent that are really flush with cash. And as I pointed out in my article. Um, on Substack is that Wall Street thrives on cheap money. That's why you never hear anyone in Wall Street calling for ending the Fed like Ron Paul did in 2008 when he was the Republican presidential candidate. Uh, Most companies rely on cheap financing and Donald Trump is is in that camp because as a real estate uh, developer, he loves cheap interest rates. And so, uh, in fact, he criticized the Fed in 2019 when they were raising rates. Uh, which is astonishing because usually presidents do not publicly criticize the feds for their policy. And Trump is an easy money guy, so he's not on the side of the people who are voting for him, which is the low and middle income uh, families in America, which is really ironic when you think about it.
0: Uh, prices are going up more than three times faster under Biden. Uh, they went up 7.6% uh, uh, it, it, during the uh, Trump administration. in 35 months under uh, Biden. Uh, Mortgage rates uh, uh, have gone up uh,
1: plus 139%. Really? Wow. Uh, Savings rates. Go ahead. Yeah. Everything is distorted because of this, this cheap money. I mean, when you... Prices, as I've said over and over again on your show and in my writing, prices should be slowly falling. That's the hallmark of a free market economy. As There's more supply of goods and services, and then money supply is basically flat. Prices go down. And I understood that as a kid when color TVs, came out in the 1950s at $1,200 is probably around $14,000 today in purchasing power, I said, why would anyone buy a new product? Why, why, uh, production has to gear up and prices will come down. That's exactly what's happened. What's called a TV, I definitely definition TV in the in the 20 years, uh, uh, and computers as well. Computing power is, is a fraction of what I paid for my first computer 40 years ago. Um, and so this is the beauty of, of the free enterprise system. But unfortunately, the economic illiterates in Washington on both sides of the aisle don't realize it because how many of them are really criticizing the Fed and making that a campaign issue like Ron Paul did in 2008? And uh, if Ron DeSantis had done that or Nikki Haley had done that, I think they would have gotten a lot more traction, especially from young people, when Ron Paul was attracting huge crowds on, camp- on college campuses uh, shouting, end the Fed. And uh, as you can see, When when presidential candidates are not telling the American people the truth about what causes inflation, uh, it means that the uh, the big money people have control over the political process.
0: You know, we kind of think alike. I I remember when uh, digital watches first came out.
1: Yeah, yeah. How
0: expensive they were, and I always thought, thank God for wealthy people because they went out and bought them, and. You know, help them start manufacturing in sufficient numbers. The prices have have come down and been uh, become more affordable. Now, when the battery dies on most digital watches, you throw the whole thing out and buy a new watch because it's cheaper than the battery.
1: Well, I'll figure this out. Henry Ford, with the with the Model T, he said, "I've got to increase production, get the price down." uh paid my workers more, and uh, the, the automobile uh, sector, especially Ford, was booming in the early part of the 20th century. So astute businessmen understood the process that if you increase production, you, you can make good profits by selling a, a mass product. Uh, I mean, Ferrari doesn't make many cars, but they still make good profits because they sell to a very elite number of uh, people around the world. But if you really want to make a lot of money in this economy, you make a product that's accessible to to most people. And uh, that's what we have with cell phones. I mean, look at cell phones. Everyone has a cell phone today. I don't know anyone who doesn't have a cell phone unless you're a real uh, Neanderthal (laughs) or somebody like that who doesn't want to use a cell phone or a Luddite or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, cell phones were incredibly expensive when they first came out. I remember seeing them in, in Hong Kong in 1988, and they were like 10 times the size of what they are today. And people were carrying them and they would ring it on the street and they would be very noisy. Now you can fit them in your pocket. Nobody even knows you have a cell phone. And, uh, and of course, the cost of, of, uh, uh, uh communication has plummeted uh, from the time it was back in the seventies and eighties, uh, where a long distance phone call, of course, you're an arm and a leg and only, Wealthy people can really afford, or upper middle income people can afford uh, loan distance service. Now, I communicate with a, a, a young man who's doing the uh, uh, economics of uh, health care course with me. He lives in Scotland, he's now in Mexico, and we, and we communicate over WhatsApp, it doesn't cost us anything.
0: Man, the free market is amazing. Professor Murray Sabrin, you can find him at Substack. Go read his pieces, read his books, learn about economics. Professor, thank you for being with us.
1: Great to be with you, Gary. Look forward to it again. All right. Take
0: care. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is going to be with us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, We'll talk uh, about the uh, caucus system here in the state of Missouri. A lot of questions. We got the answers coming on The Gary Nolan Show. It is 20 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is uh, on the program. He is not here because of any political campaign. We never even ask him about his campaign. We just talk about current events and what's in the zeitgeist. Uh, I wanted to ask him about the caucuses uh, and, and uh, the Trump victory, but we are limited in the amount of time we have. And I want to talk to him about the caucus system here in uh, in Missouri because I got calls yesterday asking for more details. Mr. Secretary, welcome to the program uh, supposing that uh, a Republican wants to get involved in uh, choosing uh, the the next candidate uh, for governor or Senate or I'm sorry or or the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives or I mean, how much of this gets tied up? How much of this uh, of this uh, goes through the caucus system?
2: Everything. Uh- the caucus system, thanks for having me on. Sorry about my schedule today. The caucus system only applies to nomination for president. Uh, everything else, U.S. Senate, Congress, statewide, state rep, state Senate, will be done at the August 6th primary. But the Missouri Republican Party will be having a caucus on March Second, They will have one uh, location minimum in every county of the state. Uh, If you're a Republican, need to have that government-issued photo ID, you need to be at the caucus location before 10 a.m. That's when they close the doors and they start to cuss and discuss.
0: All right, so if a Republican listening to me now wants to get involved in this, how do they get information how do they know where the republicans are going to meet how do they find out what they need to bring with them uh, do they need a uh, an id uh, will a driver's license do a piece of mail
2: they will need that government-issued photo ID uh, to know where the meeting is. They should reach out to their local Republican Central Committee. If they don't know how to reach out to that, we have contact information for the state parties on our website, sos.mo.gov. We have contact information for Libertarian Party that's having their caucus on the 24th. We have uh, contact information for the state Democrat Party that's having a mail-in primary. And, of course, for the Republican Party that's doing the caucus on March 2nd.
0: All right. Uh so uh let's say I'm a, I'm a Republican. I find out where the meeting is. I show up at the meeting. I show them my ID. Uh, will there be speeches made? Can I make a speech?
2: Yes, there will, this is, uh, what I kind of call old school democracy. It's not just filling out a, a ballot, but it will be discussion among a group of people and groups of people. Uh, people will divide up. If you want candidate A, go over there. If you want candidate B, go over there. If you want candidate C, go over there. And then, uh, in that process, sometimes it'll be all together. Sometimes it'll be broken up into groups. Individuals will be allowed, um, anybody that's, that's, that's voting in the caucus can tell other caucus goers why they want candidate A but don't like candidate B, and and they can, as I said, cuss and discuss about that. It's, it's much more of a true democracy than just scribbling something on a piece of paper.
0: All right, so are we actually voting for a candidate, or are we voting for someone to represent the candidate at the convention?
2: Technically, it will be picking delegates to represent a candidate, um, and there, this is the, the preliminary step. It will, the steps will end up at the state level with the state convention where they will take delegates that have been uh, elected from around the state. They will narrow those down to the delegates and the alternate delegates that will go to the national nominating convention for the Republicans this year. And, of course, the same thing will be done for Democrats.
0: All right, if anybody has questions, uh, we've got the secretary for a few more minutes. Uh, rush over to a phone and give us a call at 800-529-5572. Uh, if you're local here in Columbia, 874-9390. Uh, or go to GaryNolan.com and send me a message if you've got a question. Uh, we'll see if we can get it answered in the next few minutes. Uh, the uh, Iowa, uh, any surprise there?
2: You know, I wasn't surprised. I think it was uh, somewhat questionable whether or not President Trump would be able to break the 50% barrier because when you're talking about a multi-candidate race like that, having one candidate that can break 50%, that's awfully difficult to do, and he did it, and I think that will uh, really shape the race moving forward. Uh, In
0: New Hampshire, uh, Haley is pretty close. Uh, If she scores an upset in new hampshire do you think that uh, all bets are off and uh, the race could be on
2: no i don't um i don't think anyone can do a knockout blow in new hampshire except for president trump uh, I think that Ambassador Haley has to do well in New Hampshire. It's not that infrequent that over half of the voters in the New Hampshire presidential primary are independent voters. Those voters tend to be much more aligned with uh, Ambassador Haley or more to the left, if you will. Um, I think if, if Ambassador Haley does not do well there, it's over for her. Uh, after New Hampshire, you have South Carolina, which is Ambassador Haley's own state where she was governor, and yet the latest numbers show that uh, President Trump has a, a massive lead over Ambassador Haley there. So if Ambassador Haley can't win New Hampshire convincingly, I don't see a path for her.
0: If somehow in New Hampshire the, uh, uh, the governor of Florida manages to, uh, to beat her, does, does his campaign go on to live another day, uh, or is it essentially over for everybody?
2: Um, if if Governor DeSantis can pull uh, an upset in in uh, that that would be a, a, a big deal. He's not expected to do well in New Hampshire. I think the current polling maybe has him third or even fourth. Uh, if he were able to pull an upset in New Hampshire, that would definitely rejuvenate his campaign.
0: All right. Uh, let's see. I think uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that uh, that I want to cover. Uh, that uh, deals with the uh, the the state of Missouri. Um, there are some other topics out there that I could be uh, chatting about. Uh, the The uh, government shutdown is uh, is one that um, is a concern. Uh, do you do you think the Democrats and Republicans will come to terms? Will they be good terms, uh, or or are we being sold out?
2: I think we're being sold out. Um, I think it's a lot of what I would call kabuki theater. It's uh, Republicans acting like they want to do something, uh, but in the end result, far too many of the Republicans did not want to cut spending. And I believe that's why we ended up with this quote deal, uh, which is not good for the people of this state or this country. Uh, too many Republicans say one thing and do another.
0: It'll be interesting to see how all of that unfolds. Mr. Secretary, I know that you've had a busy day. We appreciate you coming on with us to talk about the caucuses, give people some information. Uh, You want to give the link out once again for people who want more information?
2: SOS.MO.GOV, that's the Secretary of State's website. Feel free to call us also. Uh, We're happy to answer the phone and answer your questions. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft on the Gary Nolan show 874-9390 toll free 800-529-5572 so Hunter Biden uh, was supposed to be deposed and he w- in the house but instead he went over to the senate side made an appearance in a you know you know a, a, a quick speech uh like he's being railroaded the poor guy uh then he so he he did, he didn't uh, he didn't comply Then when the members of the House of Representatives were debating what to do in in terms of uh, uh, him not complying, he shows up with his attorney and tries to make the case that, you know, he'll chat right now, but not behind closed doors. Republicans didn't accept that. So yesterday, they're supposed to have a conversation about, you know, just how to handle this. I thought they would try and move forward. The Justice Department wasn't likely to to pursue it because he is the president's son. And after all, we've seen how the government sort of tilts in the president's uh, favor. But I was interested to see the process and how it turns out. Well, it doesn't look like they're going to go forward. It looks like they're going to make some kind of a deal. Probably not going to be a good deal. I'm just guessing that the Republicans won't be able to hold his feet in the fire. But we're going to find out because the Epic Times, Mark T- Tapscott is going to be with us in about five minutes on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show. It is 1035. Glad to have you with us. Hunter Biden, Contempt of Congress. Well, we go to the Epic Times for the Inside Scoop. Mark Tapscott is with us. Mark, I was expecting them to come to some conclusion, but it looks like they kind of put things off.
3: Well, I'm not sure that I'd say they put it off. I think they have kind of declared a um, um, recess to give the lawyers a little more time to you know, haggle about the date on which um, Hunter Biden is going to come in and actually sit down for the closed-door deposition. Um, The folks that I've talked to that are involved in all this say that they're very confident that it's going to happen, and it's going to happen
0: soon. We will see. Then what was the point of him showing up in the House uh, and and saying, you know, I'll testify in front of everybody right now, uh, that whole big dog-and-pony show, if he's only going to go ahead and do it behind closed doors anyway, well you know i and this is just my personal
3: opinion I have not heard an explanation from him or from Abby Lowell his his lead attorney who i'm I'm sure uh is the main strategist behind all this but my my suspicion is that the reason he did that uh was literally to, uh, you know, raise the middle finger to the House Republicans that are doing the impeachment investigation. Um, he knew by showing up and challenging them to, uh, here I am, take, you know, ask me anything you want, that uh, they would not take advantage of that because they had subpoenaed him for a closed door deposition. And there's a very important reason why you always have, before a public hearing, uh witness, you always have a closed door uh deposition because you know, when you have the public hearing, every congressman gets his five minutes or her five minutes to ask questions. So you don't get to do the kind of follow ups that um, are extremely important in actually getting to the to the facts. You can only do that in a closed door uh deposition on on the record.
0: And so, if I'm not mistaken, if they do that, I still get access to it, right? I can read the entire. Uh,
3: ultimately, ultimately, yeah, the transcripts will become public. They tend to be a little slow about making them public, but um, there's always journalists like me that are pestering you know, to get the transcripts as soon as we can, so we can report on. Them.
0: Yeah. Um, when do you think this gets kind of all put together? Did do, do they, they? My give guess it
3: a... is. Yeah, my guess is it's going to be within
0: the next two weeks or so. So they're giving them a couple of weeks to work it all that, out.
3: That's that, Gary. That's strictly my my guesstimate. Um, but you know, when you cover this place for thirty years, you kind of get a sense for <laughs> <laughs> for what what the uh, reasonable prospects might be on timing. I could be completely wrong, you know. And and I suppose there's probably still a possibility that these negotiations could fail.
0: Yeah, that's where I was going um, next.
3: Yeah, yeah, Mark, Hunter Biden, you know, he might have sniffed out a reason not to do it. No pun intended.
0: Mark, yeah, <laughs> Mark Depscott is with us from the Epic Times. If um, if he doesn't show up again, will the Justice Department? I don't think the Justice Department's going to follow up on this. Do you? Gary,
3: you and I both know, as well as anybody else, who is sentient, sentient, breathing, Senator. and conscious, the Department of Justice under Joe Biden is not going to file criminal charges against Hunter Biden for failing to show up as required by a subpoena. That's not going to happen. And that's that's one of the chief frustrations that you hear from Uh, A great many of the uh, most conservative members of the House Republican delegation. Why do that, knowing that the Department of Justice is not going to do anything about it? Um, The fact is, Congress does have what is called the power of inherent contempt. Um, Congress can arrest Hunter Biden if he shows up on uh, congressional property. And the Capitol Police are instructed to take him into custody, and they can detain him until the 118th Congress um, adjourns, or he decides to change his mind and actually sit down and uh, do what the subpoena told him to do. But they, Congress, no Congress, has done that since 1935. That was the last year that they actually arrested somebody for contempt.
0: Do they actually it, have? Yeah. A, do they have a little jail cell there or something?
3: They used to. I I've, I have tried to figure out and get the architect of the Capitol folks to to show me where the the jail used to be, but <laughs> they seem to be pretty reluctant to do that. <laughs> But but the District of Columbia is a creation specifically of Congress. So, you know, Congress can tell the Dis- District of Columbia Metropolitan Police, you keep this guy under surveillance in jail until he decides to talk. They can do that to anybody that defies a subpoena. They've got that power.
0: So as I always say, uh, you could graphically illustrate the odds of the justice department acting on this with a snowball in one hand and a blowtorch in the other. <laughs> yeah, that's um, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It, it'll be curious I'll be curious to see how uh, how all this unfolds. There are Republicans who were uh, allegedly held in contempt uh on the January 6th event but but didn't uh, didn't get prosecuted and there are other re- well, Republicans that that did. What makes that the difference? They did get
3: prosecuted. Yeah. Well, I think the the two who were Peter Navarro and and Steve Bannon and um as you will recall, Steve Bannon in particular um he, he is a take no prisoners defender of Donald Trump and I think he really got under the skin of Nancy Pelosi and and the other House Democrats that uh, um ran the J the, the, the J6 committee. Um I hesitate to use that word committee because that confers legitimacy on it. It was not a uh, lawfully constituted body. But anyway, um and with Peter Navarro, I you know, they arrested him in the airport and took him off in chains. I mean they had they had him handcuffed and they had uh foot chains on him and you know, took him off <laughs> in public like that. Yeah, um, like, I like
0: don't he know, was I don't know why. Like he was gonna run away uh and he could disappear in the crowd and nobody would recognize him.
3: Right. Or he was gonna pull out a, you know, a pistol and start shooting FBI agents. That wasn't gonna happen.
0: So it's it's really if the Justice Department aligns with the Congress at the time and Congress tells them to pursue, they'll pursue. Otherwise they don't have to.
3: Uh, the Department of Justice always has the option of whether or not to file charges
0: oh, so congress so, yeah. Congress filing a charge doesn't count uh, uh, Justice has to file one too
3: if if they refer it
0: for prosecution
3: see that's that's my point about exercising the power of inherent contempt. If you do the inherent contempt route Congress doesn't have to do anything with the Department of Justice. They arrest whoever it is, and they keep them in detention until
0: they comply. All right, one last question, then I'll let you go. Mark Tapscott with us uh, from the Epic Times, E-P-O-C-H, by the way. It should be Epoch, but they can't spell it or pronounce it right <laughs> anyway. Uh, if if uh, this power that the House has, is it just if someone steps onto the Capitol property, or is it just located in, uh, for the city of Washington, D.C.?
3: It's on any property that is under the direct control of Congress, which basically means the District of Columbia and, um, and specifically the Capitol grounds. Wow. Uh, and and you 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 would not see, for example, uh, Capitol Police going after in an executive branch uh, facility. You 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 know you wouldn't. It would not be a Prudent thing to do to send Capitol Hill cops into the Department of Treasury to detain somebody that's to fight a to fight a, uh, a subpoena.
0: All right. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure that nothing uh, nothing is going to happen, uh, even if uh, even if he doesn't appear. But we will see. And Mark Tapscott will keep a surprise because, well, that's what Mark does.
2: Mark, that's thank all you. I
0: do. Yes, Gary, sir. thank you, man. Have a great day. All right, you too. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. All right, the COVID mask mandate is not done. Oh, nay, nay, Pearly. Looks like they're bringing it back. Uh, we'll tell you where next. Because you don't want to get arrested. I'm the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 1049, 10 minutes 11. Glad to have you with us. So apparently, um, they're bringing back some mask mandates here. I don't know why. Because we know they are absolutely useless. But, oh, they're bringing them back. Mask mandate reinstated at Sandy Hook National Park following an uptick in COVID hospitalizations in the area. Visitors will be required to wear a mask inside buildings at the New Jersey National Park. Masks are mandatory in the Sandy Hook Visitor's Center as well as any other building where events or tours are held. Uh, The decision to reinstate the mask mandate was made after the CDC reported that COVID hospital admissions were considered high in Monmouth County, uh, where the park is located, and uh, neighboring Ocean County. So, apparently they can bring this back at will and people will comply it's if if they can you know you'd think they would learn by now you'd think at some point you know all the data out there on these stupid masks you'd think that people would go no don't know no, we're, we're not doing this uh, but no No, we're not. All right, uh, we've got the Chevron decision coming up. And I really look forward to this. This is uh, a couple of fishermen who are objecting to having to pay the federal government employees to ride on their vessels while they're out fishing to make sure that they don't overfish or violate some federal rules. That's essentially the, the, the case in a nutshell. Dave Roland will probably uh, be able to come on board with us tomorrow and uh, and and give uh, greater detail. But here's the thing. One of them is saying that we should... The, well, let me do this. The Chevron decision says that the government, that the courts, should defer to the government. The government says that this is bad, then uh, it's bad. Which, of course, uh, really... Uh, makes it impossible to beat them in court, and one of them is arguing that Congress is supposed to make these rules, not a bureaucracy, and because the Constitution dictates that demands that, we shouldn't have to pay these people to write on our vote we we shouldn't even have to have them on the boat if that case sticks if the Supreme Court agrees then every time some bureaucracy says uh, that mud puddle in the middle of your farm well that's a navigable waterway that's an estuary or whatever it is and you can't build a you know a, a home because the there's a rat that lives in the neighborhood or whatever and, and I'm not talking about a Democrat I'm talking about a real rodent Thanks for the clarification. Yeah, I I was afraid somebody might get confused. (laughs) Uh, They can say, look, Congress didn't give you that authority. You don't have the right to do that. That would get rid of a ton of bureaucracies. I guess I've pointed this out in the past, but if Congress creates a bureaucracy. And I don't care if it's the Department of Labor, Health and Human Services, Department of Education, uh, Environmental Protection, you name it. They do this with good intentions. We want to make education better. We want to improve health care. We want to have whatever the, you know, reduce pollution. Then Congress walks away. We've given this group a mission and now we're done. We've done our part. We care about the environment and education and health care. So we care so much we created this bureaucracy to make sure that, you know, all of these needs are met. Then the bureaucracy creates rules that we have to, uh, you know, uh, acquiesce to. They're often arbitrary. They're often expensive. They're often wrong. But if the government says, you know, if the courts say, well, uh, A, we have to defer to them, they are the government, and B, they have the legal authority to, to pass these rules, which are in effect laws, then you can't win. But what happens if they don't have that authority? What happens if the Supreme Court says, nah, you don't have that authority? Then every time that bureaucracy wants to pass a new rule... Congress has to vote on it. So, it makes Congress responsible. Right now, when those bureaucracies take your freedom, take your land, take your money, you go to your congressman, he can't do anything about it. He's not held responsible for that. But if, they, if the Chevron case... Uh, This revisiting of the Chevron case Goes the right way Bureaucrats won't be free To trample your rights They'll have to go hat in hand And get Congress to vote on everything Well that's going to keep them busy And if I'm right Your congressman will be held accountable Hey look they're telling all us farmers we have to stop using fertilizer uh you know do something about this, and your congressman will be in a position to He'll be able to kill it that's putting some freedom back in the hands of Americans I uh, you know that this could be the unwinding of the government bureaucracies that are spending our money so crazily and taking away our freedoms. I uh, I am really anxious to see if the Supreme Court actually reverses that Chevron decision, actually makes Congress become responsible for every rule that's passed. Because if they do, uh, this... This is going to get very interesting. We'll get Dave Roland to do a deep dive on this tomorrow uh, because uh, he is the constitutional expert and attorney. And this is really his milieu. But we will get to that. Uh, In the meantime, what else do we have here? Well, there's another case dealing with, uh, at the Supreme Court, dealing with reimbursement for property. Apparently down in Texas, they built a highway. And when they did, using eminent domain, they took land and created a flood problem. Uh, These people's uh, farms and ranches became, you know, large segments of them became virtually useless because whenever there's rain, everything gets washed out. And the state of Texas is saying, well, we didn't intend to do that, so we don't have to pay. Well, the Supreme Court's going to hear that case as well. Um, so we'll, I mean, there are some really good cases that are going to have some very large impacts on Americans everywhere, but here in Missouri, um, that's, that's what we care about. The eye-popping interest payment spike on our national debt, that's coming up. You'll want to hear that on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network.